You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, Episode 60, brought to you by Vessi's Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. Hey folks, it's Greg Otten here with the Maritime Gardening Podcast. Uh, been following along on my uh, YouTube channel. I've been a little bit quiet lately, and that's because my internet was shut down for, oh my goodness, over 10 days, I believe. Um, so now we've got a new internet provider, and we've canceled the service with the other company. And hopefully everything's going to be a lot better and we're going to save some money and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, got an episode going here. Uh, we're going to talk about growing herbs today and specifically uh, my approach to growing them. And it's not just me. This is a, an idea I got from reading uh, and learning more about uh, permaculture. Um, the idea of growing herbs just in different uh, cracks and corners in your garden. If, if you read about uh, permaculture liter literature, they're, they're always talking about edges where everything happens around edges because that's where you get a surplus of resources. Right? If you've got a, a rock that's... Um, if you are walking across a field, let's say a, you know, a, some sort of field with grass, and there's a large rock in the center of the field, a boulder. Uh, you'll probably notice that there's different things growing at the edge of that rock than are growing along the field. And that's because the rock creates uh, a microclimate unto itself, right? It gathers heat. It's got shade on one side. It's got, more, it's got a south-facing side. It's a bit warmer. Um, uh, it uh, retains moisture underneath itself, right? Because the, the soil underneath rocks never seems to dry out. So it sort of creates different conditions from the, the surrounding area. And so the edge of that rock is a particularly, especially the south-facing side, is particularly a good place to grow things. Same uh, if you've got a house, right? A house, you can think of a house as a rock, as a rock right? Uh, the side of my house that's south-facing, uh, just about anything seems to grow there. Um, I put an herb garden in there a number of years ago. It's gravel. It's a driveway on that side of my house, and I noticed there was always weeds growing in the gravel there. So one year I just jammed herbs in the gravel, <laughs> and uh, they're still growing. Uh, you know, I put perennials there, and they always seem to come back, and they're doing great. So that's a unique little spot, right? But that's about the, the whole idea about edges, where you get unique little microclimates. Also, because it's an edge, um, animals tend to crawl along those spots, and they'll do their pooping there. Uh, because it's, there's different objects there, uh, things like uh, worms and stuff will hide underneath it. And also just different things that are blowing around in the environment will capture there. Right? If you uh, have some structure on your lawn and there's leaves blowing around, the leaves will gather around that structure. And so uh, structures like that will tend to gather mulches onto themselves just naturally. And because you've got a mulch there, things will grow underneath those things well. So, in reading all of that, uh, I realized that I had all these, you know, if you've, if you've seen footage of my garden from the different pictures I use in this podcast and the YouTube videos, um, my entire garden is edges, right? Every single bed is bordered in some way. I've got a walkway through the entire garden that's wood chips, and that's just wood chips over cardboard over the existing, the, the lousy clay existing soil in my garden. And... Uh, Every bed has some sort of uh, material that borders it in some way. I might have uh, two by six, or I might have dead trees like logs, or I might have granite rocks. Uh, generally speaking, those are the materials I use. Um, 
So uh, one day I was just noticing, you know, I've got all these, uh, in certain, some of the walkways are much wider than they need to be. Some of my walkways are three feet wide. There's plenty of room to jam some other things along the edges. And certainly in some of those edges, I always had weeds growing there. So, you know, if you've got a weed problem, that is your little ecosystem telling you this is a fertile patch. Right? If you've got, all, I've got all this area in my garden where I've got mulched, and the mulch suppresses weeds just about everywhere, but along those edges, um, the weeds seem to be the mulch seems to be less able to suppress weeds in those spots. And it's not because the mulch isn't a good weed suppressor; it's because those spots are just particularly fertile. Right? If a weed seed there's weed seeds all over the place, right? There's things blowing around in the atmosphere. There's birds pooping out seeds, and there's, there's seeds everywhere. Uh, and they're all over the place in my mulches. But because those particular spots are just so much more productive than other spots, the weeds will take hold there and tend to germinate. So you might see that as a problem, but it's, it's actually your garden telling you, begging you for a better solution. It's begging you to plant something there. And uh, for me, because it's something, it's a, it, there, these tend to be areas where you, you'll step on them once in a while, so you don't want to put fragile things there like tomatoes or whatever. Um, also, it tends to be a bit wetter there, but I have found that perennial herbs seem to be the ideal things to plant there. Now, the, the picture I've used as the graphic for this podcast, uh, it's a view of the entrance of my garden. And you can see on the left-hand side, I've got some logs there and against the logs just to the right of the logs I've got I think that's uh, savory or thyme I believe that uh, there's a, an entire area there maybe 20 feet long and there's a different herb bush every two feet I got uh, savory sage thyme uh, and oregano uh, I think that's uh, and I've also got a rhubarb plant that's on an herb anyway I've got, I've got things like that going all along the edge there uh, I've tried some more fragile things like um, basil on that spot. Basil seems to prefer prime real estate, but more on that later. Anyway, I got a number of spots in my garden, and and those logs there on that the left hand side, uh, those are south facing, right? So they capture a lot of heat. So as these uh, things get larger, and as my herb repertoire increases. I'm finding those other spots that are like that in my garden, south-facing walls, right? That's what that little bed is. It's only uh, about a foot high, maybe 16 inches high, but for all intents and purposes, it's a south-facing wall. Faces south, and it's there's a thermal mass there, right? There's a, a bunch of wood that can capture heat from the sun. It can also, the sun reflects off of it onto the ground. So it's a tiny little microclimate that's incredibly productive, and it's a great place to grow things like that where you don't have to plant them over and over again, right? It's, an, it's a perennial. It's going to come back year after year. And also because that's a garden bed and I tend to lean on it and step around that area and reach inwards, right? There's a garden bed there that's about three feet from front to back. Um, so you need something that can handle being stepped on <laughs> once in a while. Uh, there's a particular spot along that, that, that south-facing little wall there that I've got uh, lemon thyme, and uh, I can always tell when I step. Also, always smell it before I'm aware that I've stepped on it. I'll just be working in this wonderful, pleasant smell, and it's from me stepping on the lemon thyme. 
Um, anyway, there's other spots in my garden where I can do it. So, what kind? I mean, there's other kinds of herbs that can go here, but I'm just going to name a few. These are the ones I've got, and if uh, you've got some suggestions, please let me know. And I, I'm all about the food. So, you know, if you plant bee balm or something like that because it brings the bees around, good for you, and that's great. Uh, I don't really have a problem with bringing bees around. I got so many things growing in my garden. There's so many different flowers. I've got bees everywhere. If you go out in my garden. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, July or August, all you can hear is buzz. It sounds like you're in a giant beehive. <laughs> there's just bees and hornets and, you know, there's buzzing things everywhere. I've never understood why anyone would want to invest time and energy and money into growing something like bee balm to bring bees around. If you've got a reasonably large garden, you've got all kinds of different things flowering all the time. You don't need a particular, you know, Growing one plant with some flowers is going to bring more bees around. I've never understood that. That's just a side note. Anyway, um, I'm all about the food, so I grow things that enhance the flavor of my food. I like to do a lot of cooking. Uh, I love to do a lot of uh, Mediterranean-style cooking. So these are some tough perennials that can handle uh, a zone 6 or a zone 5. Some of these even handle zone 4, maybe even zone 3. I'm in zone 6A. Um, so uh, oregano, tarragon, savory, sage, mint, um, thyme, um, marjoram, and love it. Now, it's set mint aside. I would not put mint in your vegetable garden. Don't put it anywhere. Anywhere near your vegetable garden would be in my opinion. But all these other things can go somewhere. Um, with two, one exception. So I've, I've said leave the mint out, and we'll talk about mint later. But lovage. Um, I'm calling this an herb. I don't really know. It's it's a celery. It's a kind of celery. And I did an episode a couple of years ago called "Things to Plant That Your Grandparents Never Grew." Um, this is not a at least around where I grew up anyway. It's not a traditional thing to grow lovage, but it, it's a celery-like plant, and it can grow about four feet high or even higher. Uh, and you grow it and if you take a piece of it off and you cut it up and throw it in your food, it gives everything a celery taste. And it's, it's related to celery in some way. And I've, I've found, I've tried to grow celery in my garden. And generally speaking, celery has a, take, requires a long, hot growing season. I don't have ideal conditions for it. I have lots of water. Celery loves water. But I don't have a lot of hot, sunny days. I just don't have those conditions here. So I found celery doesn't do well. And certainly if you're trying to grow the kind of celery where you can put the peanut butter or cheese whiz in it, <laughs> you know, and eat it that you can you get kind of like I've I've never had where I am in this location, I've never had uh big fat, crispy, crunchy celery. Um just because the it's just overcast a lot and we don't just don't get uh, a lot of hot, sunny, good growing condition type days. But I found the lovage, um is a, a good substitute if, if that's a problem for you. The other good thing about it is, I mean, this is something you can buy as a transplant at a garden center, and you spend like $2.99 and you stick it in the ground, and it's going to come back every year and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's going to give you, really, you don't eat celery for its caloric value. You, you add it to things because it adds a nice flavor. You put it in a soup or a pasta dish or whatever kind of cooking you're doing, you add it to things because it makes things taste a certain way. And that's really any herb is like that. So that's why I'm including it along my list of herbs, even though I'm not sure that it's technically an herb. But you use it like one. You don't use it to 
get calories. You use it to enhance the flavor of other things that have a caloric value. So that's why I'm including it here. Anyway, if you're planning lovage, I wouldn't put that in front of anything because it's going to block out the sun. You know, I have my lovage in front of an apple tree because it's the apple tree is bigger, right? So if you're going to plant jam lovage somewhere, if you've got some sort of uh, tree or large bush or something like that, jam it in there or put it against your house or something like that. Uh, don't put it in front of something that it's, it might cast shade on, something that requires a lot of sun. Uh, but for that matter, I guess, and along that those lines, if you have, and I've got some apple trees in my garden, um, you can put, in terms of making use of your space, right? And that's the other theme of this show, is or this episode is making use of your space. If you've got a, something like an apple tree, and I've done this in my particular garden, if you've got an apple tree, on the south side of the apple tree, you can put something that's a bit shorter than an apple tree. It's still going to get sun because it's on the south side. So I have apple trees, and then in front of the apple trees, uh, one of them I got the lovage, but the other ones I've got blueberry bushes in front of the apple trees. And in front of the blueberry bushes, because they're even shorter, you can put different kinds of herb bushes, you know, oregano or sage or whatever. Those things all get along just fine. And you can put them relatively close together because the roots go to different depths, right? The tree's roots go really deep. So they're not really competing with the lovage that don't go quite as deep or... They're not competing with the uh, blueberry bushes or whatever kind of short bush you've got in front of the tree because those bushes don't go quite as, the roots don't go quite as deep. And if you've got some herb in front of the bush, and I'm talking about them further south, right, um, the herb roots aren't going to go quite as deep. And if you go in a forest, you'll notice those kinds of things exist. If you go along the edge of the forest, there's things growing along the tree line. Right? And if you go along the edge of a tree line that's so facing, you'll notice more of the uh, fruiting type things and maybe choke cherries or different kind of uh, berry bushes and so on because th that, that location has uh, ideal growing conditions for them. So you, you're just copying and using the same approach in your garden. So yeah, tough perennials, oregano, tarragon, savory, sage, thyme, marjoram, and lovage. Now, mint. Mint is one of those things... If you put that in your garden, it is going to take over. You're gonna, I don't care where you put it, wherever you put it, whatever that garden was, it's a mint garden now. And you don't want that. So if you've got a property, I would put it somewhere else. right? I wouldn't put it in my garden. I'd put it somewhere like in the ditch. Uh, I live in a semi-rural area, so there's a ditch between my house and the main road. That's where I'd put the mint. Um, and I have some there. Uh, I also have a wood pile near my driveway and between the wood pile and the little it was like a tiny little wooded area between my property and my neighbor's property uh, between the wood pile and that wooded area there's like a I don't know a three foot four foot wide space I've got mint jammed in there in the gravel uh, and it seems to come back every year and it gets bigger and better every year so stick your mint somewhere that you're not trying to grow other things because once that mint's growing there you're it's never going to come out. It's going to behave like an invasive weed. And that's fine if it's somewhere where you're not trying to grow other things. Just, just you know, give it some place where it can just run the whole show and just let it go. Right? Um, and then and mint's nice. I love making mint tea and there's different uh, dishes that it's nice in as well. So it's, it's a good thing to have around. But don't stick it in your garden. Don't make the mistake of sticking it in your garden. I mean, some people will put it in a flower pot in their garden. But more. <laughs> 
you've been listening to me long enough, why on earth would you want a flower pot in your garden? Uh, you just have to water that thing, right? Put everything in the ground. Uh, so, um, so that's mint. Uh, what's the other thing here? Um, and all of these things um, are good value bought as a transplant. It's a one-time purchase, right? Or you're certainly going to get multiple years out of it. So why? And one, one or two plants will give you a ridiculous amount of herbs. I mean, I listen to a lot of people say they want an herb garden. And then they grow like lavender and a couple other things. And, and they don't end up using a lot of herbs. Uh, I use a ridiculous amount of herbs. At the end of the... Uh, some, at some point in the fall, I have to harvest all of these things and then process them and uh, get all the leaves off the stems and put them all in jars. And I harvest and save so much of that. I have enough herbs to last the entire year. And some years I end up um, giving some away because I've got so much. But I might have uh, two... You think about a, a good-sized salad bowl, like if you're having company over and you've got a large salad bowl, I don't know what that volume is, maybe a uh, half a gallon or a gallon, whatever that volume is. Um, I might fill two of those bowls with herbs at the end of the year. And that, that's not even counting the herbs I use all summer long. I mean, from about some point in June onward, I'm using fresh herbs the whole summer long, right? I don't start using dried herbs till I don't know, December or January, right? Um, even right now, in some parts of my garden, the herbs are growing. They're not of any size where I'd start to harvest them, but they have begun to grow. So I grow a lot of herbs, right? And that's the point. If you're going to dedicate gardening space to growing herbs, that's space you could be growing other things in. So they're better off. If you're trying to make the most of your space, and that's kind of what I'm focusing on here, um, you're better off jamming those things in just little cracks and corners wherever you can put them. Or, and for all those perennials, that's the best thing to do with them, right? Stick them in cracks and corners and just give it a little place to live and let it live there for the rest of its life, maybe even for the rest of your life, and it'll be happy. The roots will just get bigger and stronger every year, and it'll love being in that little crack and corner where you've put it. But then there's other herbs that are uh, annual in nature. Right, like parsley and cilantro, for for instance, and those things. I mean, you're growing them to eat them with other things, right? Like parsley and cilantro, I like to have those things with tomatoes and stuff like that. And the tomatoes don't really come in for me until August, right? They'll start becoming ripe. So that's when you want your, especially your cilantro, because you're making sauces and things like that. Um, so I plant those a bit later anyway, and they're they're it's worthwhile to plant them with the tomatoes anyway. If you're going to be, I'm going to be direct seeding a lot of my tomatoes this year right in the beds they're in under hoop houses. So at the same time, I'll sow the parsley and cilantro seeds uh, to go with them. Another thing you can do is if you plant potatoes really early and you've harvested them all um, by, I don't know, let's say sometime in July, let's say late July, you've got a bed where you planted potatoes very, like a, like a red Norland potato. Those are potatoes you can plant early and they mature early and those are usually the first ones I eat in my garden. Um, once those have come out, let's say by late July, um, you can plant um, cilantro in that same bed and it'll germinate and grow and by the time you're really starting to 
go hard harvesting your tomatoes in September. The cilantro will be ready for you to make your salsa and stuff like that. So that times out really well. Also, uh, beds where you've planted your spinach, right? Sometime By sometime in July, your spinach is all kind of done. It's bolted and, and it's just too, uh, too hot for spinach. I mean, you can wait till uh, mid, mid of August and maybe try to get a fall crop in, depending on where you are and what kind of fall you have. But you can also, in those places where you had spinach growing, uh, plant parsley and cilantro uh, when the spinach gives up. And it should come in a bit later. You know, come in when you're uh, starting to process all your tomatoes and you're trying to make your pasta sauce and all those kinds of wonderful things. Now, another category of herb is another kind of perennial, but um, a perennial that's very tender, like uh, rosemary. Or bay. I mean, generally speaking, these are perennials that are uh, zone seven hardiness. So, if you plant them here, uh, you know, if it's a gentle winter, they might survive. I've never had bay survive the winter here. Um, so, if you're going to plant those somewhere, you want to plant them somewhere sheltered, like on a self-facing wall, and ideally plant them somewhere. I've not done this yet. Uh, I was supposed to do it last year and I hadn't. So I'm speaking experimentally here. I'm not on this this particular issue. I'm speaking. I'm not speaking from experience. I'm going to try it this year if I can, you know, get my act together. This was something I'd planned to do last year because I had two nice rosemary. You know, a lot of these perennials they just get bigger and better. And the longer you let them get established in your soil, the root systems get larger, so they, they grow more vigorously every year. Right? They just come back and get bigger and better every year. So it's in your interest to find a way to have them hang on. Sure, you can dig them up and put them in a pot and bring them indoors and nurse them along all winter long. That, that really doesn't interest me. Uh, for me, I think there's probably some way to just rig up a little plastic shelter over them so that they can get the benefit of feeling like they're one zone warmer. Right, so I think that could be done for something like a rosemary or a bay. I think you could probably pull that off. Just erect some sort of little dome, a little biodome over them, and uh, try to just create a tiny microclimate where they are, uh, if they're in the right. And you got to choose where you plant them so that this is a possibility, right? Um, but I think if you do this right, uh, you can get multiple years out of a a rosemary or a bay plant if you're lucky. I'm certainly going to try it this year. Um, and one thing I have not mentioned, I, I was uh, uh, forgot to mention, was uh, basil. Um, of course, basil is a. Uh, it's not like a lot of the, like a lot of the herbs I mentioned earlier: oregano, uh, savory, sage, mint. These are all weeds. They're just weeds that taste good, right? Uh, basil is a bit more of a special snowflake <laughs> type plant right it's it's very uh, fussy and it wants ideal so soil and ideal growing conditions and it won't germinate till it's nice and warm it really you have to treat it the same way you treat your tomatoes and other heat loving plants and it needs fertile soil and optimal conditions and all day sun and so on and so on and so forth you can't treat it uh, with the neglect you treat other herbs you have to give it prime look prime real estate but that works out well because basil goes so well from a culinary point of view with things like tomatoes you just put it in between your tomato plants 
um, and it'll be fine, right? That's where you plant plant basil, um, basil, parsley, and cilantro. You can jam that all in with your tomatoes, right? So tomatoes are growing up and get higher than those things, and they'll get along just fine. I've done that in, in previous years, and it works just fine. So if space is an issue, you can companion plant those things just fine. They get along great. All right, so just a few ideas about that herb garden that you've always wanted to plant. If you have not gotten around to it yet and you've always dreamed of having an herb garden, um, maybe you already do have an herb garden. You just haven't noticed the fact that you've got all kinds of places you can put herbs. For, to a large extent, you don't need an herb garden. You just need to get some herbs and jam them into different spots. And you'll notice over time that, that certain herbs prefer certain kinds of spots more than others. Um, so a little try and error, error might be needed. Uh, I've certainly noticed like the, the place that I mentioned at the beginning, that left-hand side of that, that picture. Uh, I tried to plant things there as seeds, and they didn't take off very well. But when I put the herb transplant in there, it did okay. It's, it's a bit wet there, so maybe... Uh, I needed a plant that was a bit more mature that uh, could handle, you know, getting a bit, uh, uh, a bit, a uh, bit too much moisture in the soil. So you got to play around with it a bit and see what works. But uh, generally speaking, eh, any edge that's south-facing is gonna love having some sort of perennial herb in it. And then there's also places you can stick your annual herbs that go well. Generally speaking. It's a good idea to plant them with the things that you eat them with, <laughs> as a general rule. So I hope you found that helpful, and I hope they gave that I gave you some uh, some good ideas for uh, achieving that herb garden you've always wanted this year without having to actually build a separate garden. Just jam them in here and there, see how it works. So uh, thanks for listening, and until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden.